This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Tuesday, 25th of April in the year of alert 2023 on the morning show because we were so jammed wall to wall for all of our guys that are the four hour uh, crowd. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about the cover of the Wall Street Journal, the lead story. I talked about the cover of the New York Times, the lead story about Tucker, the lead story. Of course, the Wall Street Journal being owned uh, by the Murdoch kind of buried that story slightly. But their lead story was pretty important. Hundred billion, oops, hundred billion dollars in assets in uh, deposits, excuse me, deposits uh, out of Republic uh, Bank, First Republic Bank. Remember, First Republic is known as having a really premier asset management group. Steve Cortez, i got two things to talk about in the economy that you've kind of called. Number one, and we want to make sure everybody understands this, the smaller banks, the regional banks are under full assault, and you've got a credit contraction going on right now. Cortez, talk to me. Th- this problem is a massive problem in the financial crisis we face. And it portends, nothing more portends the lost decade in front of us Mm -hmm. than what's happening on credit and what's happening to these smaller banks. Steve Cortez, your thoughts and analysis, sir. Steve, sadly, you're exactly spot on. And to borrow a phrase from the worst Secretary of the Treasury in all of history, Janet Yellen, this is not transitory. In other words, these are systemic problems that are now plaguing the regional banks. And today is the latest data point in that regard from First Republic. Uh, By the way, this is terrible news for the corporate media, which, of course, on the day that Joe Biden has the gall to say that he deserves another term as president, on that very day, we get this report out from First Republic, more evidence that this banking crisis continues and, in fact, intensifies, and that a lot of it, by the way, emanates out of where? out of the San Francisco Bay Area and out of Silicon Valley uh, as a business sector, specifically the biggest supporters perhaps in total of the Democratic Party and certainly of the Biden regime. You know, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal reporting. If we can pull up chart one, I'd like to go to some of the reporting from Reuters on this today and just quote a bit from Reuters reporting on First Republic. They note that this is what's going to happen going forward. They're going to shrink the balance sheet, cut expenses, cut executive pay, and lay off one quarter of the workforce. So that is the news out of First Republic. And again, this is not obviously First Republic specific. We had a similar tale out of of Silicon Valley Bank before it was rescued by the American taxpayers, out of Signature Bank before it was rescued by the American taxpayers. We also had over the weekend, Moody's cut essentially the entire sector, meaning every regional bank, every significant regional bank in America had its credit downgraded. Now, Here's the ramification far beyond just what's happening in these banks or just what's happening to the people who own stock in these banks, the unfortunate people. By the way, speaking of the stock, how did it react for First Republic? Well, it opened up down 20%. By lunchtime, it was down 30%. Over the last year, Steve, 
it's down 92%. Okay, that, that much value destruction because of what Joe Biden has done. But let's talk about the ramifications outside of the banking sector itself. Steve, the, the sm small and regional banks out there, they are the lifeblood for Main Street, for small business in this country. Small operations can't go and get a loan from J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs. They simply can't, okay? Those giant multinational mega banks simply don't care um, about medium and smaller size firms in the United States. So the financial uh, fuel for Main Street, for small business, for the dynamism of the American economy has always come from regional and local banks. Those banks are suffering, all banks are suffering, but those banks are suffering disproportionately. And because of that, Steve, that's why I say this is a systemic crisis with ongoing terrible fallout for the economy. And it's only gonna lead, unfortunately, Steve, to an ever more intensified concentration of market share among a rel relatively small group of oligarchs and the firms that they control. Steve, I want to go something that, that you, you mentioned uh, briefly. You got Silicon Valley Bank and you got First Republic that are in the uh, that are in the Bay Area. You've got Signature that was New York City, I think New York City based. All three of them are bedrocks of the Democratic Party, and particularly right. the, the either the crypto side or the or the or the the high tech side, uh, the bank side, and the very very dialed in. Uh, and we saw the bailouts first with you know guaranteed deposits, all that. Does this mean, particularly as we're in the middle of this massive fight over debt, and remember, it was the overspending of the irresponsible, illegitimate Biden regime that got us into this mess and got these banks upside down. Do you think right. the political pressure is going to come for additional ballots? And you mentioned it. Moody's put, I think, 11 of the most, the top right. 11 regional banks on, 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 on essentially credit rot, downgrade and a credit watch which mm -hmm. is your point is kind of the, the basket of all the important ones in the right. country. We've got a massive crisis right now. Are they going to yeah. try to use their political stroke to have MAGA bail them out? Of course they are. And, and, and Steve, they already have, right? I mean, look at what we saw happen that first weekend. Government never moves so fast as when the oligarchs crack the, crack the whip, particularly the oligarchs of Silicon Valley. So think of that first weekend, not very long ago now, just weeks ago, with Silicon Valley Bank, because the venture capital firms didn't want to pony up their funds, even though they had more than enough liquidity to do so. But because they didn't want to, and because they used their Democratic congressmen and senators from the state of California to start barking loudly behind the scenes, not in public, behind the scenes, at the Fed, at the Treasury, at the FDIC, they got incredibly quick action. The kind of quick action, by the way, that the deplorables can never get when they're in trouble. For example, the people of East Palestine, they can never get that kind of government response. But SVB got it right away. Signature Bank in New York City got it right away. I fear that now this is 3.0 uh, unfolding before us with First Republic, which is headquartered in San Francisco. Uh, so, you know, yes, these places unfortunately have disproportionate political power within the Democratic Party. And because of that, they're going to get very preferential treatment. But I will also point this out, Steve, because I think there's a certain paradox here. Uh, there's a certain irony to to this almost. You know, I think that tech more than any other business group in the country installed Joe Biden as president of the United States. And I notice I don't say help elect him. I think they installed him because of the various actions the Zuckerbucks spent all over the country, the censoring of the of the laptop from hell, um, <clears throat> the the closing down of social media accounts and and um, and shadow banning of, of social media accounts that were hostile to uh, to the Biden candidacy. All of that tech largely installed this man as their chosen president. 
He then turned around, though, and instituted policies which bit tech first. Uh, and and so far fiercest regarding inflation, you know, tech layoffs in the Silicon Valley area, over 100,000 layoffs and counting in that industry. Now, some folks out there in the audience might say, good, well, I, I want Google to suffer. I want Microsoft to suffer. And I understand uh, that mentality, but realize that, unfortunately, the pain is ubiquitous. It's spread throughout the economy and particularly now that we're talking about the smaller and the regional banks that, again, are just the lifeblood. They are really the financial lubricant for an economy to make the economy hum. You know, that is the, the financial fuel, the credit fuel that the country needs. We now have a significant credit crunch going on already unfolded in this country. By the way, I can prove that again. And, you know, I like to show charts. If we can show chart number two, please. Let's show the deposit base of the banks in this country. This is since Biden took office, and this is from the Wall Street Journal since January of 2021. Uh, this In the middle line there, the black is all banks. The lower line, uh, the darker blue, is large banks. And the top line, the lighter blue, is the small banks. You can see the deposits have actually been uh, trending downward for some time before things got to this current crisis stage. But now that they've gotten to this crisis stage, they're rolling over very, very materially. And small banks, not surprisingly, much worse off than large banks. So, Steve, this is the definition. What you see on that chart right there, this new downward trend, um, that, that rolling over, this is the very definition of a credit crunch. Okay, keep that. If uh, if the guys in uh, Palm Beach can keep the um, can keep uh, that chart up for a second. Um, this, I mean, Cortez, this ought to chill you to your core because this shows you, when I talk about a lost decade, I mean, we're just not going to wave a magic wand. What Biden and these guys have done is so horrific. And that's why this debate going on in Washington right now is so important about this debt ceiling. Okay. Right. And they're going to say, oh, it's not relevant. It's all, this is just all a fake uh, thing. You got to pay your past bills. That, that chart shows you that it's going to take a long, we got to have not just the right policies. You have to have the, 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 the cojones to enforce it. Because it's going to take a long time to turn this around. And right there is going to show you at a regional level, you're not going to have those robust, vibrant financial institutions available right. to provide credit to the small shop owners and the small entrepreneurs that are really the lifeblood of the economy, sir. Right. Well, and Steve, listen, like a lot of worthwhile endeavors in life, you know, finance works this way. It takes a long time to build up a good capital base, to build up significant savings. Uh, it doesn't take long at all, unfortunately, to destroy savings, you know, as that chart unfortunately shows. And again, too, even before the current crisis, before things got really dire in recent weeks, it was already trending downward. And think about this, Steve. It was trending downward. Bank deposits were trending downward while Joe Biden was pumping an absolutely exorbitant amount of money into the economy, money we didn't have, money we were borrowing uh, through, the, through the absolute profligacy of the federal budget. So despite that profligacy, it wasn't finding its way into bank accounts. Why? Because people had to spend it. Because Biden's inflation is so pernicious, it's so punishing, um, and particularly for middle and lower income Americans, that even if they were seeing additional funds flowing into their account, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to keep pace. Hence, why real wages, meaning your income adjusted for inflation, real wages, have now been falling every single month for over two years, the worst streak in American history. So that is also a major input into why we see that very unfortunate chart with the money rolling over. But you're exactly right, Steve. This isn't something that can be fixed 
quickly, okay? It's, you can destroy a house in a day, but it takes months or even years to build a beautiful home, okay? To rebuild uh, the capital and the savings of the United States. We can do it, and we yes. have to start doing it. We have no choice. But make no mistake, this is an arduous task before us because it's easy to yeah. destroy, very difficult to build up. We told we, we told everybody the financial structure of the world had shifted to these negative and zero interest rates. And once Biden had the inflation, it all changed. This thing, you could wreck this, and it, it takes you years or decades to build back. Uh, Cortez, when people think of you, they think of some of the sayings you have that cut to the chase. Price is truth. The other mm -hmm. one is the trucks don't lie. That's Talking right. about the trucks don't lie. And I, I'm borrowing from my fellow Colombian Shakira who says that hips don't lie. Well, trucks don't lie. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is when things are getting shipped, uh, the economy is healthy. When they're not, it's not. I mean, it's really, really that simple. And uh, we talked last week on War Room. I presented some of the evidence from J.B. Hunt, which is the biggest trucking firm in the country. And their CEO had extremely negative comments, both about the present situation and the outlook. What he was specifically citing was the fact that they cannot raise rates on their customers because of a lack of demand, particularly at the consumer level. And yet their input costs continue to soar, uh, particularly as it pertains to fuel for a trucking company. So they're, they're in a financial vice, just like so many American families are. Again, it's, a, it's sort of a corporate reflection of real wages going down. It's real, real earnings going down. For a corporation. Well, we got more evidence of that today, that that was not J.B. Hunt specific. Uh, it wasn't even just sector specific to only that part of trucking, but rather shipping in general, because UPS, uh, one of the most ubiquitous companies in the American economy, a giant of commerce in this country at every level, from individual e-commerce all the way up to wholesale trade, UPS with extremely disappointing news, stock got hammered right out of the gate, you know, again, overnight into the morning session today. Uh, and this is a, a troubling sign for the economy and another data point affirming my thesis, which is that trucking is a leading indicator. And as a leading indicator, if we pay attention to the metrics of trucking and to the comments of the people who are deeply involved in that business, we see that the consumer is spent and that the United States economy, unfortunately, is significantly decelerating. That is the reality right now. So, uh, you know, all of this, though, points back. Again, it's not just the business cycle. It's not just bad luck. All of this points back to the created crises, plural, of Joe Biden when it comes to the economy. Chiefly, he created the inflationary crisis two ways. Number one, he attacked domestic American energy production as really his first act in office. He did the dirty work of the, of the Green New Deal radicals. Secondly, exorbitant borrowing and spending that shot interest rates through the roof. Cortez, I'm going to ask you, I know you're busy, I'm going to ask you to hang in uh, for a little bit of the next block. Short commercial break. Steve Cortez is going to join us the other side. Also, Ed Dowd is going to come in. He's one of the first guys to call this. Also, he's got some, uh, I don't know, grim news, but reality check next in the war room. Inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath, and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never looked more important to you. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert 
an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401ks that are tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, either gold or silver. And here's the best part. It's tax sheltered. Let me repeat that. It's tax sheltered. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today. Take action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. Birchgold.com slash uh, uh, Bannon. Go check it out right now. Uh, get the third uh, installment of the End of the Dollar Empire. I think we've been putting this out now for two years. The third installment just came out. The Debt Trap, it'll get you, it's like ripped from today's headline. It'll get you totally up to speed on everything you need to know about this really historic fight we're having over the debt ceiling right now. Uh, we're going to get to more of that with Steve Cortez. So make sure you go check it out. Also, we had Philip Patrick on Saturday, and Philip is going to join me again this Saturday. Philip walked through the central banks buying gold historic level in uh, 2022, and starting off in 2023, we'll have a whole update on that. But you can get all the information on that by going to birchgold.com slash Bannon and make sure that you get uh, everything related to the 401ks, the IRAs, all of it, but the information that they really walk you through on precious metals. Make sure you do that today. Uh, Cortez, uh, Biden announces this morning, uh, and he comes after uh, MAGA extremist, which I think kind of means Cortez and Bannon and others in the war right. room, contributorship uh, in the posse and MTG specifically. But we're in this historic fight, and this fight's what it's about. We can't worry about 2024 right now. We got to worry about what's in front of us, and this is a historic right. fight. You've got Speaker McCarthy, and I give a hat tip to Speaker McCarthy. He's got a different mandate and job than we have here at the War Room. I mean, we right. pride ourselves in being the dead enders. We pride ourselves in being that anchor to the hard right uh, of all the policies and making people come come our way to get the policies we believe are correct. Uh, this fight over the button, and we're dead enders and not one penny increase to the debt ceiling, prioritization of payments, and let's have massive cuts now. But you can see the... The issue, and he's, I think he's actually doing a good job. I mean, Russ Votes even kind of signed on to his plan, the four and a half trillion, the cuts, uh, go back to the 2022, it will give him a trillion and a half and, and, uh, you know, but we'll fight this fight again in early part of next year. Part of the reason I want to have you comment, you've got these congressmen and they're well-intentioned, but I think all, a lot of times they don't connect what they're talking about to really right. the economic and financial implications that you've got. A congressman down in, in Florida who's, who's, a, who's a great guy. He's a served his country. He's a highly decorated. Mm -hmm. He's a neocon. But they're talking about radical increase of the defense budget. And look, I'm a right. former uh, military guy. And I just say, hey, look, we got to be thinking of non-kinetic. That's where I got doubt here. And we did the third. We did the right. conference on the Third World War the early years to say, hey, look, victory without bloodshed. <laughs> Let's do it like Reagan did it. Use economic right. power and technological power to do it. Steve Cortez, your thoughts. Yeah, so uh, uh, Mike Waltz, I think, you know, the congressman you're talking about, and I don't know if we, if we have that tape, we can play it, but uh, he was on Fox News, and he said that we need a Reagan-style defense buildup, 
a Reagan-style defense buildup, uh, which I just thought, you know, number one, I think strategically that's wrong. And you're exactly right, by the way. No doubting his personal honor and his personal bravery. I believe he was a Green Beret. He's clearly uh, a tough man who should be admired and thanked, of course, for serving this country. But he is a neocon, and he wants to fight all over the world. He wants intervention all over the world. He very much has that mentality uh, that we in the America First movement reject because we believe in an America First foreign policy of realism and restraint and non-interventionism. It's one of the hallmarks of our movement. And so we have a very different view. But to connect this back to the economy, Steve, even if his prescriptions were a good idea, which I certainly think they are not, even if it were, we can't afford it, Steve. Okay, so we have to deal in the realm of harsh economic reality. And when we look at the budget, when we look at inflation, when we look at the, the economic crisis that the United States is suffering right now in the cold light of day, the reality is, even if you have neocon tendencies, even if you do believe that the world is sort of a chessboard that should be run by folks from the, from the foreign policy establishment in Washington, D.C., even if you think it's smart to massively enlarge NATO beyond uh, what, where its historic boundaries, you know, I think none of that is the case, but I'm just saying for the sake of argument, even if you believe in all of that, Steve, you have to be a grown-up if you're in a position of power right now and say we have $32 trillion of debt and counting, we are in a deep economic crisis, and therefore, even on the national security side, we have to significantly prioritize how and where we spend our resources. And I think you're exactly right, Steve. The idea that we should spend all of it preparing for a kinetic war, we have to be ready for a kinetic war. Of course, we have to be ready for the worst case scenario. But the idea that that's where most of the attention and most of the spending should go, um, I think is just, frankly, a Luddite vision. This is a very new world of information warfare, of monetary foreign exchange currency war, warfare, um, of propaganda. It's a very, very different world. It would be such a failure if we have to get to kinetic war, for example, against the Chinese, because we have so many levers at our disposal, particularly right now. We may not have some of those levers in a few years, but we have them now at our disposal to properly pressure and coerce uh, and convince the Chinese to do the right thing versus vis-a-vis uh, -vis American interests without firing actual shots. And so I think it's important for us to, you know, to connect the dots here. And by the way, in terms of connecting the dots, uh, you know what we could really use right now in the United States at a time when we see banking deposits uh, crash? We could use the $100 billion plus that we are spending on Ukraine to escalate a regional Slavic struggle that has no discernible, definable U.S. national security interest. And by the way, to connect both of these discussions, the national security one and the financial discussion, to the corporate media, I believe one of the reasons at least, might not have been a primary reason, but I think one of the reasons that Tucker Carlson was taken off the air is because when it comes to legacy media platforms, Steve, he was the only figure of any significance at the legacy media platforms who was willing to talk against this war, against this escalation, um, and against the narrative of the foreign policy establishment of Washington, D.C. You have certainly been the most significant force, I think, out there, period, in, in all of media, making the case for an America first foreign policy and against escalation. But when it comes to the legacy platforms, it really was just Tucker. So with him taking off the field right now, there's just a void. He, there's no one in those platforms now who's willing to even only, talk about sanity in the Black Sea. Cortez... Cortez speaks truth to power. The only guy in prime time that was anti-Ukraine and, and anti, anti to the heart of it. Why were we even there? I mean, Tucker would have the guest on and really walk through the details and they hated it. That's definitely one of the reasons it was. And, and paying this contract out is to shut him up for a couple of years. The, the, the Murdochs are look, the Murdochs are evil, but they're smart. That's Lucifer. Remember, Lucifer, sure. plenty evil, smart and cunning. 
So that's what we're dealing with. Cortez, how do people get to all your content and follow you on social media? I'm going to have you back on tomorrow next time. We're going to talk about this, the, the, uh, the actual fight itself and, and, and McCarthy bet. and what direction we should be taking because there are probably going to be votes later in the week. What, what, uh, how do people get to you for your, all yeah, your correct. analysis? No lack of action this week. That's for sure, Steve. Please uh, find me at Cortez Steve, Cortez with an S on the Twitter and stevecortez.substack.com. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Uh, let's go ahead and play. I got the Ed Dowd on. I got a couple of great cuts. So let's go ahead and play the cuts on Ed Dowd. So war is the only palpable narrative that populations will accept to inflate with proper propaganda. That's the only narrative that people will buy. You can't say, we're going to do this to save the rich. If the oracle, Warren Buffett, has told you war is coming, I'm telling you war is coming. Believe it. It's not, it's not conspiracy theory. This is, this is what's going to happen, unfortunately, unless we can figure out a, a, a political solution in this country, which at the moment I'm a little, I'm a little cautious, but we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, Ed Doubt joins me. Ed, you, you, you came really to, to prominence in the media because you put your analytical skills broader than the – you've always been a, a big star in the, in the business media, but in a broader context because you put your analytical skills to work about the debacle of the vaccine. But you're back to your wheelhouse, and it's quite scary. You were one of the – you know, we had nothing but prominent speakers over the weekend at World War III, the conference, the early years – but I can tell you from people texting me, you sh- and we had, what, 300 War Room Posse members there, you shocked people. Walk me through your current assessment of the economy. You're the first guy to call to me the massive downturn we're going to take. You've seen what's happened to the banks. You're seeing they're all on credit watch now. The regional banks, we just walked through the deposits, they're getting crushed, and that's the lifeblood of the economy. Where do we stand on all this, sir? So when I went to the conference this weekend, I wanted to kind of bring people through the story of what's, what's, hap- what's happened historically, where we've been in the past, where we are now, and where we're going. And, you know, I want to build on what Steve Cortez said about the credit crunch. You can, uh, can if Cameron can throw up the M2 chart slide from uh, my presentation, basically M2 money supply, year-over-year growth uh, went negative in November of uh, 2022. It's the fifth time this has happened since we have M2 uh, records. The other uh, four times resulted in historical uh, bank failures and financial panics. The last time we had one was 1930. So this is a big, big deal. And there, I suspect the reason we haven't had one of these events uh, since uh, 1930 is because uh, we became the world reserve currency in 1944. That allowed us to export our credit uh, overseas. Then we had uh, the petrodollar in 71 with Nixon. So this has been a 78-year cycle of credit expansion. And people get confused on credit. They think it's the, the money supply stock. Uh, it's not. It's the flow. You need constant growth in credit to keep the thing going. And we just went negative year-over-year growth. And I said, historically, this has been associated with bank failures. And you know, we just had three, Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and Credit Suisse, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, you know, I'm, I've been in the markets for a long time. Bear Stearns was rumored to go bankrupt for months on end in my world. Silicon Valley Bank happened in a week. Uh, so that, that the speed with which this is happening is quite alarming. Steve Cortez today talked about uh, First Republic Bank down 30 percent, down 92 percent from the top. So 
What the Fed did uh, that weekend and, and, the, and the Treasury Department was basically a big uh, come to Jesus moment for them. They came up with the bank term funding plan, which is nothing more than some loans. So I suspect uh, we have more bank failures in front of us. And those, are, you know, my team, Carlos, uh, Yuri and I have come up with our economic forecast. And we put out a report a couple of weeks ago suggesting that the recession that's coming will be hard in the third and fourth quarter. And it's looking like at least a 1990-91 SNL crisis if it doesn't go systemic, which wow. Katie barred the door if okay. that happens. <laughs> Hang on. I want to get into all that. I've also got uh, Bradley Thayer. I think we're going to get a Sean Foyt at 6. If we can't, I'll get Sean. He's been accused, I don't know, even in the accusation about being a Christian nationalist. But I've got, uh, I want to keep Ed Dow. We've got a lot to go through about what the reality, the signal, not the noise in the world's economy. Next in the world. Stephen K. Bannon here with a warning. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? What if the title to your home, the legal document that proves you actually own it, is in some criminal's name? That's home title theft, and it's a total and complete nightmare. Home titles are online now. Once a criminal forges your signature, it's a race against time to stop him before he takes out loans against your home, or worse, sells your home. So when's the last time you checked your home's title? My partners at Home Title Lock demonstrate how criminals get you in minutes. They found the title to my home online and forged my signature, stating I sold my home. Some criminal was now the owner. Home Title Lock helps shut it down. That's what they do better than anyone on this planet. How do you know some criminal hasn't taken over your title to your home? Find out free with a sign-up and get 30 days. Let me repeat that. 30 days of free protection when you use promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Do this today. Take action, action, action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, MyPillow.com promo code War Room. I know sometimes the report you get on the War Room makes it tough to sleep. That's why you need to sleep the sleep of the just, and you do it on the products of MyPillow. MyPillow.com promo code War Room. You get the MyPillow 2.0. Buy one, get one free. You've also got the topper. You've never slept until you sleep on one of these toppers. This is Topper 2.0. He's taking these things up technologically next level. And also, he's got a massive discount on it. Uh, so go check it out. Go to our square, mypillow.com, promo code WARROOM. Ed Dowd, I want to go back. Why is M2 important? What does it track? These negative numbers had some no- November. Why are they so unique? What does that portend? And then you and your team have called. They said, hey, by the, we don't hear the happy talk. This was last year. He said, by second quarter, end of second quarter, third quarter, we're going to be in it. And don't believe the happy talk you're hearing from the guys on CNBC. So I want to connect M2 that with the with the what you guys are seeing in your current forecast. Yeah, so M2 is super important because it's the money supply, but it's not the supply, it's the it's the flow. And every time growth year over year has gone negative, uh it, there's been systemic bank failures uh and it's only happened uh five times since uh 1868. Last time was 1930. And interestingly enough, um uh, every time uh, this has happened, we're already in crisis. So despite the happy talk from the mainstream media, the war room, you and I know we're in a crisis. 
and the crisis is uh, now starting to manifest in bank failures and a hard, hard landing in the economy. Uh, Carlos, Yuri, and I, our work suggests that uh, we're going to see a recession as bad as the one we saw with the SNL crisis uh, currently with our economic early cycle indicators, and it's going to probably bottom third or fourth quarter. And uh, when that hits, uh, tax receipts are going to go lower. We have a, a budget deficit problem. We're $500 billion approximately above where we were this time last year. Uh, and so we're looking at a two, $2 trillion structural budget uh, with tax receipts going down, uh, budget deficit, I mean. And so we're seeing a giant liquidity sucking sound coming out of the market in the fall. Uh, basically, this money needs to be funded somehow. And if the Fed's not currently doing QE, they're doing Q yeah. QT, that money's going to come from risk assets and crowd out other investments. The other thing going on, Cortez uh, talked about this, uh, the Fed raised interest rates from zero to 5% literally in 12 months. And the Fed reverse uh, repo program is nothing more than uh, them giving loans uh, or uh, money market funds giving loans to them, crowding out private investments. So basically, the Fed, $2.5 trillion reverse repo program, is the money market. 40% of all money market assets are overnight at the Fed. The Fed has no counterparty risk. So the Fed is essentially crowding out uh, private credit that is desperately needed. And I, I suspect the Fed reverse repo program, uh, the economy going south has caused or contributed to this M2 situation. Okay. So we're, we're looking at deflation and, and they're going to they're gonna have to stop that and they're going to try to reinflate. And that's why I think war is coming. Okay. Here, uh, uh, what? Just a couple of things. When people talk about Bear Stearns and Lehman, they've been people have been they've been on watch. They've been arguing about that for a year. Silicon Valley Bank signature and First Republic out of nowhere. I mean, boom, like like a thunderbolt on a clear blue day. Uh, Credit Suisse. People had discussed that, but the collapse of it and this and and how what the Swiss government had to do to save it and jam UBS and, and Credit Suisse together. These are extraordinary, and these banks are not tiny. SVB and Signature and First, these are some of the biggest banks in the country, and they were the two second and third biggest bank failures. So my point is, there's so much law of unintended consequences here. There's you got Yellen, who's a clown. You got Powell, who's over his head. You got Biden and his economic council, who are our junior varsity. We're hurtling towards this. And I got to tell you, it is going to be flat out catastrophic. The central banks throughout the world, this is where I got... I've got the Birch Gold guys back on this weekend. The central banks throughout the world, th th these are not dumb people. When they're in Tokyo and in Russia and they're pegging the ruble to gold, when they're buying gold and holding back their resources and saying, hey, they're, they're going to a quasi-gold standard, uh, it's because they have no faith, not in you and this audience, full faith in credit the United States. They have no faith of the financial and political leadership of this nation, Ed Dowd. Yeah, so... We're looking at uh, a hard economic landing. We're looking at deflation, but there will be a response from central banks and governments to fight the deflationary forces that have been unleashed. And so I suspect that's why there's all this uh, talk about a, a central bank digital currency. We've got the Fed Now program. We've got the Biden executive order. Uh, so they're trying to bring that in. And Warren Buffett recently sold all his Taiwan semiconductor stock. This man is not dumb. And he mentioned war is one of the reasons why. Uh, China is in desperate shape. They're one of the victims of uh, the, uh, the spending and the debt increases over the last 20, 25 years, and their economy is imploding. They need a boogeyman. 
and they're going to start to uh, rattle the sabers to take uh, the, the, their own population's eyeball off them. This is just classic, uh, you know, uh, Empire 101. When, when you're in trouble, you create a boogeyman. And, and so the saber rattling in Taiwan is real and it's coming. It's coming hard and fast. So we see kinetic wars uh, over the next several years, unfortunately. Well, we looked. Here's what I know you got to balance, but. You know, you had in the 1920s and 30s, you had the rapid hyperinflation and big inflation, then followed by deflation. They had run out of tools, and it kind of devolves into a regional conflict, a couple of regional conflicts that then metastasize into a global conflict. That's exactly how this playing out. This is like we haven't learned anything. This is the 1930s all over again. And it's like yeah. we're inexorably going to be drawn to these regional conflicts that then metastasize with the financial crisis into a global conflict. That is the third world war, the early years, and we have a chance to stop it. But it's this insanity that's going to Washington, DC. Ed, your closing thoughts and observations, brother. Yeah. So since the great financial crisis, if you're an observer of financial markets, one thing we all noticed is that there was uh, uh, unprecedented coordination between central banks uh, to cooperate We had the Shanghai Accord, the secret Shanghai Accord uh, in 2016. Uh, to kind of prop up the financial markets before the election. What we're seeing now is a dissolution of this uh, this cooperation, and we're going to every man for himself, and this will manifest itself in currency wars at some point, because this whole debt bubble, the release valve is currencies, and I suspect that's the next crisis, is currency crises and sovereign debt crises. Brother, how do people get to your, your content? You You wrote the definitive book, on this disaster on the, uh, and if we can put that up, the disaster on the, um, on the, on this, in this vaccine, which is all going to come and be part of investigations, lawsuits, all of it, uh, that you really laid out analytically what was going on. How do people get to you, all your economic reports, all your economic thinking, all of that, where do they go in? Uh, financetechnologies.com spelled PH instead of F. We put out a lot of our economic reports for free at the moment on LinkedIn and Twitter and Getter, and it's also at our website. Um, I'm on Getter at, uh, at Edward Dowd and Twitter at Dowd Edward, and we're just constantly dropping stuff when we have relevant things to report. Well, you guys have been ahead of the curve. You and your team are pretty amazing, pretty, pretty amazing call shots. Ed, uh, thank you very much for taking time away to join us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Have a great one. Thanks, brother. Uh, do we have a cold open for Bradley Thayer? Can just, okay. Hey, Dr. Thayer, you were one of the, uh, and look, you've done more probably in putting forward in your last publication with Lin Chao Han and, and the other, your writing team, to really warn the American people that the CCP, they can't be dismissed. And they're very serious. They're serious about the way they've controlled this great nation of China. They're serious about how they control the people. And they are not just a formidable enemy. They are a formidable enemy that happens to be at war with us. And we have a political and, 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 and business and cultural elite that refuse to address that. Walk us through your presentation uh, that, that you gave out in Torrance uh, in the L.A. area this weekend, sir. Hi, Steve. It's great to be with you again uh, uh, today. Uh, I'm pleased to do so. Uh, the thrust of my argument is, in order to understand the Chinese Communist Party, you need to think like a communist, uh, as they do. You need to understand their ideology. You need to understand why it's evil. But you need to grasp that uh, they're determined. 
to destroy a Western capitalist system that is to target the United States for destruction uh, and um, to replace essentially the free order that we created uh, with their communist tyranny. Just as they oppress the Chinese people and have done so since 1949 when they came to power, and that's when they declared war against us, uh, so too uh, they want to dominate the rest of the world. So when we think as they do, when we think like communists, we're going to be able to understand why we're heading towards an inexorable clash with them. They're driving it. They're determined to destroy us. And as you said, uh, we've been very slow uh, to pick up on that. We've been very slow to respond uh, to uh, their actions in what's a classic case of threat deflation. We consistently underestimate the threat that China poses uh, for a variety of reasons. But one big reason is uh, because we don't understand their ideology and their determination uh, to destroy us. And as a consequence, we've allowed them to grow year after year, decade after decade, and now we're in uh, a fix. We're in a situation where uh, we can no longer ignore this threat. We can no longer ignore the danger uh, that they pose. Hang on. Hang on. I got a couple minutes here, and then I got six minutes or so on the other side. If this happened every so often that we misplayed this or didn't think it through about their determination and that they are godless, atheist, Marxist, and they are determined. The one thing you talk about from the long march, these people, the, the, the cadres and the factions that lead it are the hardest, toughest, meanest people on earth. To fact, they don't care how many Lao Beijing, they don't care how many Chinese, they have to slaughter in order to keep control. And we've seen that through Great Leap Forward and the famine and the Cultural Revolution. They're absolutely heartless when it comes to their own people. How have we gotten it, you know, and your presentation is so amazing. When I sit there, I go, it can't just be happenstance that our leadership is so clueless that they make the same mistakes again. We have consistently, since the World War II and the, and the Chinese Civil War afterwards, and when they took power, we essentially gave them power in 1949, but then over Tiananmen Square. If you go back and look at May of 1989, the Chinese people, their own courage of these students and workers and peasants that came together and bonded in, in, in Beijing and other cities around China, they were this close to freedom. They were this close to what eventually those dominoes fell. The Berlin Wall fell. Ceausescu and, and Romania fell. It all fell, driven by what they did in Tiananmen Square. In the month of May, you could see, just like in 1775 and 1776, in this nation, that freedom and people standing up against overwhelming odds to do it. And the Bush administration, the Bush regime, then 41, back the play of Deng Xiaoping and these absolute mur Li Ping and Deng Xiaoping, the biggest murderers and assassins and hardcore old school communists that internally would say our number one focus is to destroy the Americans. We have always, our elites have always backed the Chinese Communist Party. And there's something not right there. It doesn't make any sense. You can make that mistake once. You can make that mistake twice. You can't make it consistently for 70 or 80 years and there's something not being up. Bradley Thayer, Dr. Thayer, we're going to ask for the answer 
when we return to one of the great questions of American national security and foreign policy over the last, I don't know, century? Next, in the war room. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you actually spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. Public Square connects freedom-loving Americans with the community and businesses they share their values. Here's the best part. It's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com and download their app today. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where you spend your hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. That's publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Take action. Stop giving your money to people that hate you and your values. Go to publicsq.com. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Ron DeSantis tried to cut seniors' benefits. In Congress, DeSantis voted three times to cut Social Security, even to privatize Medicare. Worse, DeSantis wanted to raise the retirement age to 70. Ron DeSantis would make us work longer to get less. President Trump promised. We will protect Medicare and Social Security. President Trump delivers, and he always will. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. By the way, make sure you go to 45 Book. You got to get these letters from Trump. We're going to have some, some special announcement of what we're going to be doing with this and with the president and to get this book out. It's a whole different take on President Trump. You will absolutely love it. It's a great Mother's Day gift. It's a better Father's Day gift, but they're great gifts for both of them. Make sure you check it out. I think it's 45book.com. Go check it out right now. Dr. Thayer, help me out here. Brother, I, 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 I revere you and the work you and Lin Chao Han. Your work has just been amazing over the last couple of years. You've really added to this conversation and dialogue in the United States. But I, I got to tell you, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. And it's even got worse at the Tiananmen. I don't get how elites. It has to be willful blindness at best, sir. Steve, this is the biggest mistake that we've made. We've allowed uh, our, our enemy to rise with our assistance. Uh, and we've consistently avoided any effort to attack that enemy, to replace the Chinese Communist Party uh, and its rule in China. As you said, 1989 was one of those points. And that was a failure of the Bush administration, first Bush uh, administration, 
Clinton administration compounded that failure when uh, they abandoned linking human rights to most favored uh, 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 nation trade status renewal, and then also allowing uh, the uh, CCP, allowing China into the World Trade Organization, which was negotiated under uh, Clinton when China came in in uh, December of 2001. So this is the biggest mistake that we've made. And why did we make it? Well, uh, I think we made it because of the power of Wall Street, the power of, of the financiers, uh, the power of uh, Silicon Valley. Elite capture is a big component of, of how this happened. Uh, we also, this mistake is also the result of the genius of Deng Xiaoping. Uh, and his recognition that through his hide-and-bide strategy, that is where China uh, essentially hid its growth, never talked about it, uh, while facilitating uh, U.S. investment, U.S. manufacturing, essentially sucking U.S. manufacturing into China, greatly helped uh, uh, China's rise and allowed it to do so without any balancing from the United States, which is a remarkable thing to have happened in international politics, that our enemy arose and we didn't do anything about it. Uh, and so those are uh, big parts of why this happened. To that, I would add the fact and the change in the balance of power, the fact that the Cold War ended, the Soviet Union died, and the United States is left standing and were incredibly powerful. And at that time, in 1989, 1990, 1991, China just doesn't look like a threat. Uh, and so uh, as a consequence of that uh, change in the balance of power, we have massive threat deflation, and we just don't care anymore about uh, uh, peer competitive How, threats against but, enemies. But, 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 that but, just but, disappeared. But, hang, on, we only, hang on. We only got a couple minutes. Here's what I'll get with all the think tanks and, and the you know the smart people at Harvard, these other places, and the government, the CIA. It's obvious if you study Chinese history that Deng Xiaoping were true believers, and they literally hated the freedoms of the West, and they knew the freedoms of the West. They talked about just separation of powers. It was anathema to how they would roll. They understood if any of this came about, they would be destroyed. The Chinese people would rise up, and that's why Tiananmen was a massacre. It was a massacre. And afterwards, they said, we got to put this down. Anytime this rises, it must be. How did our elites miss the central point that these people, this Chinese Communist Party, is all about the dictatorial rule of their own people and actually going after the West, hammer and tong, with no back down and no relief? How did they miss that? They didn't understand the enemy. They didn't think like communists. Uh, if they had thought like communists, they would have understand that communists see the world as an inexorable clash. They're going to win. They're going to defeat the West. They're going to defeat the United States. History is on their side. Uh, and so it was uh, the failure of presidential leadership. It was a uh, failure of national security leadership. Uh, year after year, decade after decade, uh, Steve, because they chose not to understand the enemy and take the enemy at his word. Uh, they didn't understand communist thought, and so that contributed to it. But also, Steve, the think tanks weren't, uh, you know, generating the right analysis. They weren't generating an accurate assessment of the China threat because think tanks are funded by uh, investors, and those investors have interests in China. 
So we see here that, again, the genius of Deng Xiaoping, by sucking in Wall Street, uh, by sucking, sucking in American manufacturing in Silicon Valley, right, what did he do? He ensured that um, uh, there was no incentive to recognize the China threat. Uh, your paycheck depended upon, in fact, not recognizing the China threat. So we had this generational threat deflation where we consistently underestimated China's growth and the threat that it posed. We didn't take communism seriously. We didn't understand their ideology and the fact that as communists, they put power before everything else. That is, yeah. Xi Jinping destroyed Hong Kong, right? And why did he destroy Hong Kong? Yes. Hong Kong is the goose that lays the golden egg. And yet he's killing it because he favors power. He favors control over Hong Kong more than he, yeah. he uh, favors wealth. Even the, ca even the, even the cash. Uh, real quick, we'll get you back on more depth. Give Right now, I want everybody to get to your book, everybody to get to your social media and your website. Where do they go? Uh, be fair at centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And I'm on Getter and Truth at, at Bradley Fair. Thanks, Steve. Thanks very much. Got to get the latest. You got to get the latest book. It, it's absolutely incredible. Your presentation at the conference was just amazing. Okay, short commercial break. Hang in there. The next hour is going to be actually more intense than this one. Guaranteed. Short commercial break. Back in the war room in our second hour in a moment. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 